everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 145. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alexander Holland. I'm sat in a frosty bell in Germany, coming to you at minus four degrees Celsius. As well, ladies and gentlemen, it's cold outside, but it's not cold outside, I hope, for my digital pod partner who sat across <laughs> for me through the power of the internet in Melbourne, Australia. Would you please make welcome to the microphone? It's a miser job, my lord. No, you can Sorry. Would you please welcome to the microphone? He's got to be the one call. John Maloney. Hi, and John Maloney. Everybody. Is it warm? Nothing says professional podcast like starting asking about the weather. Mm, it's true. Uh, that's I've been listening to a lot of commercial radio, and that's often... <laughs> The way those day-in, day-out pros go about it. Uh, the weather, weather here, for those interested, is variable in a very Melbourne way. The Bureau of Meteorology predicted a long, hot summer, but they've had <laughs> egg thrown at their faces by Mother Nature all January long. There's been record floods here in Victoria. And I'm out there saying... Why don't we tie their funding to the accuracy of their prediction? That'll, <laughs> that'll put some wind up them, those nerds. <laughs> I wonder if the song Four Seasons in One Day from band Name of Crowded House is yeah. about Melbourne. That would be probably that. Four seasons, seasons in one day. Shout out. That makes me think of Don't Praise It, John, my friend and yours. And he and I used to work together in Adelaide. And one day we had had schnitzels for lunch and then we went back to the same pub after work and there weren't that many food options around, so we just had schnitzels again. And that made us sing, Two schnitzels in one day, crumbs above and crumbs below. <laughs> John, I want to take us back to a segment which I gave a name to and that was what have YouTubed? Oh yeah, because I thought we it was going to be yeah. But we have been talking about YouTube. I just haven't called it what have YouTubed because mm. the show is just naturally becoming more tubey. So yeah. you don't really even need to say. It's like having a show, a podcast that's called the YouTube Podcast, and then yeah. going, oh, I'll introduce the segment that goes. What have you been watching on YouTube? And the co-host goes, but that's the show. That's not a segment. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole show. <laughs> I've been tubing, John. You'll be so happy to hear. Mm-hmm. Abandoned McDonald's restaurant locations around the world. Oh, I love that. For yeah. You, as they say. <laughs> That's our favorite expression. I love that, I love for, that you. for I love that for us <laughs> in our community. I love that for us. Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> there's something – I mean, we really need to do a deep dive on this. Uh, this yeah. is not the deep dive section of the podcast, but we do need to de- do a deep dive on nostalgia and liminal spaces. Mm. But there is just something about people mm-hmm. that find abandoned locations. In this yeah. case, I've been looking up specifically abandoned McDonald's restaurants. Right. It's really captivating. I think in particular, the abandoned McDonald's restaurant marries – childhood nostalgia with the rare look at a McDonald's that has been abandoned because they're typically businesses that do not fail. How rare is Mm. it? I mean, I can tell, I can count on less than one hand the amount of McDonald's that I remember opening and closing in Adelaide. Famously, the one on Rundle Mall, which was the best McDonald's. There used to be a McDonald's on Rundle Mall opposite the the Maya Center. It was yeah. the best. It had a downstairs and upstairs. I used to go in in my law school uniform. They they uh, they do not fail very often, McDonald's. So when they do mm-hmm. and they get abandoned and YouTubers mm-hmm. go in with GoPro cameras and look around at this kind of ghostly abandoned McDonald's. Well, mm. that means that my entire Saturday is filled and all my friends are <laughs> texting me going, Al, we've got come out, we've booked a restaurant. There's yeah. all these attractive women here that have we've met that want to meet about you. you. Yeah. They've been asking about you. Come <laughs> have a meal. And I have to say, mm. I'm sorry, but I've just come <laughs> Unless that restaurant's abandoned and it used to be a McDonald's, not interested. They forgot about it because <laughs> I've discovered something else that's much better in life, and that's sitting in front of my computer screen on YouTube all day 
And so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> hey, look, guys, if you haven't checked this out on YouTube yet, that's what we are recording to today. And look at, can you see behind me, John? Mm. Look at this beautiful, look at the color scheme that's coming into my life. That's gorgeous. Because it's winter light. Winter light. It's 8.20 a.m. here in Berlin and there's a deep gold mm. behind my head. It's the kind of deep gold that reminds me of the golden arches of abandoned <laughs> nice. Man, that was inspired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I had that whole bit just crafted waiting for the golden line yeah. to come in. I, I've got here on my notes, wait for golden. I had to time it. I, was, I had looked up what time is sunrise. Yeah. And I had wait for 8.20 a.m., then if, say bit about. If, over, <laughs> if overcast, abandoned bit. <laughs> Talk about other YouTube obsession. If Overcast, talk about other YouTube obsession. If Sunlight coming in, talk about abandoned McDonald's, marry to Golden Arches of McDonald's logo at precisely 8.20am. And it came together. John, have you been tubing anything really? So, what do they, just before I get to that, because I have, Mm. of course, I can't stop. (laughs) Um, The... Abandoned McDonald's, are people going into them? Are they trying yeah. to get, are they trying to like break in and, and show you the old counter and the kitchen yeah. and things? Well, there's, a, there's the other thing that's so fascinating about an abandoned McDonald's is that typically if an abandoned McDonald's gets abandoned, they just knock it down. But yeah. in, the U, in the US, there's a handful of locations they appear to have built McDonald's assuming that this particular area would be really popular forever. So, for example, there might be a big commercial complex some, mm. or some big sort of retail complex mm-hmm. and they with a big uh, big shops like, I don't know, Walmart, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps they build it next to a freeway and there was some assumption that this whole center would be thriving. And yeah. then there's some kind of there's some kind of economic event or something that shows that they got the whole thing wrong and nobody wants to go there. So the whole, yeah. the whole complex shuts down and one of the buildings that's left there is a McDonald's and they don't even go to the effort because nobody wants it. It's not, it just becomes yeah. a white elephant because developers don't even want the land. The, but there, so, so you get this thing where, I mean, an abandoned McDonald's would never last. I don't think in, Australia are just getting knocked no. down straight yeah. away. I've, I've never seen an abandoned McDonald's for more than, you know, like, uh, yeah, I've just never seen one. Mm. So it's just incredible to see this particular business that you very rarely see just mm. left to be consumed by the entropy. Yeah. yeah. But there's a great just, one. Just Hamburglar junkies hanging out. There. <laughs> 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 there's a great one. On an island, I think it's off the coast of Alaska. There's a there was a U.S. military base. Right. The reason that I actually started looking this up <laughs> is because I got presented with a Instagram clip, and the Instagram clip said, "Have a look at this. It's an abandoned McDonald's that was closed in 1994, and yeah. there was clearly something unique about it because it was really well maintained. I mean, not maintained, but it was in." really good condition and i just thought how on earth is there a mcdonald's yeah that that was closed in 1994 because the thing is it's not like you build a mcdonald's in some tiny town you build them at a place that can turn over millions and millions of dollars a year yeah but there's one on a military base somewhere Mm. in the u.s so they built one for this military base and then the military base stops being used to the extent that they thought it was going to be. Right. And so you have this almost perfectly preserved and yeah. not vandalized McDonald's from 1994 that's just frozen in time. Wow. And it even has the drive-through. I'll send it to you. It's incredible. And they have the drive-through and the drive-through menu board is exactly the same. It hasn't been smashed oh, or covered no. in graffiti. It has 1994 prices on it. Mm. You would instantly you would instantly recognize even the style of menu board mm. because all this stuff is is all uniform for the most part across the globe. So even yeah. though it's the US, it's the same type of menu board that you would have seen yeah. as a boy in Australia. Before the time where Super Size Me and all that ruined everything and they had to yeah. offer fruit bags and things that nobody actually ordered <laughs> just, to, was when, just to keep the critics at bay. Yeah, it was when we didn't used to have to feel guilty about mm. it. was the pre-guilt era. Nobody needed, deep in, 
calorie charts because we all knew, yeah, of course, there's fucking loads of calories in it. That's why it tastes so great. That's why it tastes so great. <laughs> Man, boy, do we live in the guilt era. Mm. Man, I'm just be, I pick up my poison rectangle and I mm. open it to chat to a friend and the first yeah. thing that comes out, I'll click Instagram or something and, yeah. and it will go, you should feel bad about being worried about this. <laughs> I just get that every two seconds. Oh, it's true. I have a glass of water and it goes, my poison rectangle goes, mm. do you know what's bloody in that water? Stop <laughs> drinking tap water. There's <laughs> fucking no, tap water. plastics in it. Tap water. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that. I listened to a mm. whole, I've spoken about the All In podcast before, which I love. Right. Yesterday's episode, microplastics. Oh, great. It's a new study about how apparently all the plastic bottles that we've been drinking out of forever mm. mm-hmm. contain an as before not really discovered amount of microplastics oh, that we great. couldn't see. Yeah. Now they're all in there. I think Sitting I'm actually going to be, they're all in, I can I can feel it. I've got a big plastic shard. It's just going to help. Just I think it's just going to give us longevity. <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll be like you get your own sort of stents. It'll form yeah, your own exactly. heart stent. And naturally as your organs start to fail, they just get filled with plastic variants. <laughs> It's patched up and sealed <laughs> and with plastics. Eventually you end up like one of those bodies that used to be on that human body show that's just been plastinated. Um, <laughs> or you end up like a crash test dummy. Just I completely mean, I'm only twenty percent flesh and eighty percent plastic <laughs> right. now. I mean the good thing about that is you're putting trash in your body whether you like it or not. So you may as well just have mm. a double quarter pounder. Because at least it tastes good going down, not like tiny bits of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been you've been tubing real hard, right? The have. tubes, yeah. Um, and I'll Catching come back waves to the on the information superhighway. I've been surfs up uh, out there on the information superhighway. <laughs> Let me tell you, at my house, I got a call from the Australian broadband company saying. Well done, you're our top user for the week. And highest highest wave. You've been riding the highest waves. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I mean, the thing that I have been enjoying, and I think it's because I'm in a slightly weird, you know, I got back from New York. I'm a bit jet laggy this last week. So I need something to pet me up, something to mm. stimulate me. And so I'll go on YouTube and I'll say, just give me the scariest dash cam footage that you can. And there's a whole bunch of, and or scariest sort of CCTV slash dash cam, which is a whole wonderful pocket of YouTube where you'll say, you know, you'll go, there are people whose their whole account is like compilations of eight scariest door cam, you know, uh, ring camera footages or people on the road who go, Oh, I saw a Yeti when I was driving through the forest and I just see this blurry thing in the background. Or they'll sometimes be, you know, they'll be driving along and uh, some kind of road-raged crazy person will come along or the, do- the the dash cam will show like one was like just 4 o'clock in the morning in some suburban street and it was just a guy crawling along the road <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that is pretty scary. And uh, just unexplained crawling or, or just someone who kind of walks past and then walks right up to the ring light and of the camera and just sticks their face in it and then leaves and you're like, I don't know who that person is and I, now I'm scared. So I really recommend that as a way to just as you're kind of getting ready to hit the books for the day. It's a lovely, it's a lovely little adrenaline heart starter. But your your mention of a couple of things, microplastics and water, is uh, strangely prescient as regards my one of the things that I've been thinking about this week. If you don't mind me launching into Please. it, uh, and it's something that I liked because it combines a number of prominent recurring themes on the show. So we've talked about in previous episodes, the insidious nature of nutritional marketing. And you talked about uh, the rise of fruit juice as a breakfast beverage, for example. Mm. We talked about the kind of unholy alliance between corporate 
uh, lobbies and, you know, food and beverage companies and influencers. So you got this kind of, you know, the milk lobby in America is joining up with people like Mr. Beast, the YouTube influencer, mm-hmm. or I guess he's across various platforms to try and make their products cool for mm. a new generation. Beast lactate. Exactly. <laughs> Lactating. Beastly. His new his new chocolate drink called Beastly Lactate. <laughs> Jimmy's Beastly Lactate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, you know, if you're watching and or, or listening to us and you want to hear more about that, I, I looked it up and episodes 107, Add to Blart, one of my favorite titles. Yeah. And uh, episode 105, The Cable Guy Delusion, are both episodes where you go into those, get into those themes. But also back in 2022, mid-22, we were in New York together and – we talked a bit, including I think briefly on the podcast, about the American fixation on oversized beverage receptacles, including mm. kind of big gulps and things that essentially look like a kind of make people who are using them look like adult babies nursing giant sippy cups. And yeah, and it's so it's an it, it was an odd. It seemed like a combination of both drink but also fashion accessory yeah all of the exactly. all of the drinks were translucent cut in translucent cups and i just was thinking mm. this is more about appearing to have a drink mm. than having a drink yeah it was part of somebody's outfit their ensemble you would see them you'd literally see people you know leaving their cool little walk up in a very well chosen ensemble paired with an appropriately colored giant sippy cup with inbuilt straw because that was just part of their kind of ready to take on New York look. And of course that was summer. So it made sense. I didn't really see much of it uh, this time around uh, when I was in New York because um, people didn't need hydration because it was zero degrees, but it was a kind of, I enjoyed it at least as an example of Yet another example of the kind of shameless self-inventalization of the <laughs> contemporary Western adult. But a couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to a friend just before I got back from overseas. Shout out to my friend Rob, who said, have you heard about the Stanley Cup craze? Because it seems like something that you would be into. And I said, no, I thought the Stanley Cup was <laughs> the ice hockey trophy. <laughs> So I was like, <laughs> have people suddenly got really into ice hockey? But uh, and they may have. I'd love that to be true. But what he was t- referring to was a was a stainless steel vacuum insulated jug with a little inbuilt straw. So one of these devices, albeit a permanent one, as opposed to something you would get from, you know, Dairy Queen or whatever. And it's made by the company Stanley. Now, a bit of background. Stanley started in 1913, and you might be familiar, as might our fans, with uh, their kind of utilitarian-looking, almost kind of copper-green thermos, which was a which was a sort of essential for work sites. You know, that's the kind of and okay. sometimes campers maybe they'd be marketing that too. Looks quite. Vintagey looks quite utilitarian and serious looking, and was typically marketed to men. Uh, but more recently, the people at Stanley, the Stanley family, I assume, started to try and get into the adult sippy cup market uh, with <laughs> the, the adult infantilization market. Yeah, exactly. Been really taking. They've been like these fucking morons have been. Doing colouring books. Let's yeah. get in on this. I mean, it, what does it tell you about society? They go, people don't want uh, our reliable, sensibly <laughs> well-designed thermoses for their going to work anymore. They want things that babies would otherwise have, but in adult <laughs> size. That's the way society's gone. And so they had this thing called the Adventure Quencher Travel Tumbler. <sighs> Which I love. Bit of a I'm bit of a tongue keep, twister. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at this as you talk. Adventure quencher. I want to see what it looks like. Yeah, um, it's it looks pretty unremarkable. Um, yeah, it does. Pretty pretty kind of you know 
aesthetically not very pleasing at first glance. You know, it's sort of clunky and plasticky and just a just a giant sippy cup. Yeah. And it was modestly successful, I think, initially. But at the time, it was a crowded market that they started pushing it. There were other products. There was something called the Hydro Flask, which was yeah. really dominating and all the sort of Kardashian moron army were all up on hydro flasks. Right. And so by ni- 2019, uh, Stanley said, oh, look, we're not really prioritizing this. We're not going to advertise. We're going to pull it from our website and, you know, you'll still be able to get them here and there, but it's not a it's not a major product anymore and we're kind of less optimistic about it. But then what happened was in... 2019, so just after they had decided to kind of downgrade it, the national sales uh, manager at Stanley noticed that an influencer named Emily Johnson, who has appeared on various reality shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, she was posting about having received the quencher, I'll just call it that because um, I can't keep saying adventure quencher travel (laughs) tumbler, from something called the Buy Guide, B B U Y, as in purchase okay. guide, and the Buy Guide is an Instagram account, kind of paired with a blog, like an e-commerce blog, and it features a number of products that you know were deemed by uh, the people who created the Buy Guide uh, to be cool. And one of the products that they had consistently pushed was the the quencher. And uh, it was run by the Buy Guide, run by these two sisters, Ashley Lesser and Taylor Cannon, and their cousin, whose name was Lindley Hutchinson. So the sales manager at Stanley said, okay, look, um, you seem to be pushing the quencher, and every Mm. time you do, we're noticing that it seems to sell out pretty quickly. So we're interested in this as a way of kind of reviving this product. So what we'll do is we'll give you 5,000 quenches at wholesale price. You, you've got to pay to warehouse them and ship them, uh, but you can you know buy them cheap and you can keep whatever money you make out of selling them. And they sold out within five days, these 5,000 that they'd given them. And then they, they gave so they gave this to the, the buy guide, John or the influencer. Yeah, they gave it to the buy guide. To the buy guide. Um, these these two sisters, Ashley and Taylor, and their cousin Lindley, they gave it to them and said, you know, you can push it through your buy guide, yeah, and uh, you can keep the money. And they very quickly sold them out. And so the sales manager said, okay, well, this is look, this looks promising. Brought them in, and they sat down with the uh, chief executive of Stanley's parent company and hatched a deal where the quencher would go back on the website, on the Stanley website, so they'd sort of do a brand refresh. They'd market it in a few new colours to kind of, you know, shush it up a bit. And these three women would, through the buy guide, uh, promote it and would get an ongoing portion of the revenue from this product. And it's funny, I mean, th- there's apparently a variety of markets that this was pushed to through social media and through these buy guide figures. There are these kind of, I think they call it like hydration TikTok or hydro talk or whatever, which is like <laughs> people who people who love not just um, you know sippy cups, although they that's the kind of endpoint is they they promote a lot of this this stuff, but they love the kind of you know the image of being. Uh, sort of hydrated, el- hi- elite hydrated people <laughs> who who talk about the benefits of water. We we and- drink water, unlike you guys. We <laughs> consume liquids. Yeah, which I mean, we'll c- I'll come back to that in a minute because the the history of hydration and its association with kind of celebrity culture in the US is pretty interesting. But anyway, they put it through this. They 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 re- reach this agreement with the Stanley exec. And it went ballistic. So between 2019 and 2023, the, the sales, annual sales of Stanley, which had been around for, you know, ages and was 
successful but a pretty niche brand went from something like 70 million in 2019 to 750 million last year and that was largely off the back of this quencher and they started to release it in kind of batches and you know they'd sort of to create this kind of scarcity you know that's that's obviously key to making people salivate for these sorts of things they'd they'd release it in batches and you could sign up for a you know access to early releases and things like that and they'd be collaborating with special limited edition versions with starbucks and with you know this country singer who i hadn't heard of but apparently is quite successful and that it really i mean so there's this hydro tiktok but there's also this kind of um apparently one of these sisters is from lives in utah and the kind of utah um homemaker social media scene is quite a powerful tastemaker you know these like stylish small town women mormons (laughs) and they love you know they love just hydration and (laughs) jesus coming to america and uh and um and so you you know you get this explosion you get these familiar scenes of people crawling all over each other like animals at target where they do these sort of limited releases and people staying out all night to try and get in you know there are stories about people um sleeping in their cars so they can get in when the store opens with these new sippy cups and uh and injuring themselves and or and getting like a whole you know getting the whole set so they and then they don't even fucking use them some of these people like with furbies and whatever they just keep them beanie babies yeah they keep them in the packaged even though it's like a plastic drink bottle i mean it's just madness and and as i mentioned you had this i mean it's part of this lineage of um sippy cups that's that's kind of been an ongoing succession of crazes and fads so you had the hydro flask you had before that i think the yeti and the swell and you know it goes right back to earlier products like Famously, about twenty years ago, there were a lot of celebrities who were really into Fiji water, which is a brand. Oh yeah, of, yeah. Brand of spring water, and they would, you know, like they'd show up at celebrity events uh, and get get papped with their bottles of Fiji water because it was this sort of, you know, status symbol. Yeah. And I was reading about some commentaries which were saying, yeah, it's all part of this sort of marketing of hydration as a as a market or marker of kind of clean living and being sort of environmentally friendly and you know being being um just a healthy you know sort of well-rounded person so and it's also apparently a, a marketing ploy in the sense that going back to things like Gatorade there was money to be made they realized by telling people that they were constantly dehydrated and they just yeah. needed to drink heaps. So now people think, <laughs> oh, you need to have eight glasses of water a day, which apparently is not true. And they, <laughs> o- they overestimate how much water they actually need. And so these, you know, these kind of people, I mean, they must just be pissing like racehorses all day because they got these <laughs> like 1.2 litre um, Stanley cups. And some of them, they'll say, some of them were saying things like, oh, yeah, I, I, I bring a few with me because. You know, I might have an outfit change after work and then I need my cooler-looking jujjed-up cup. Or somebody might say, well, yeah. I use one for water and one for somebody said a fun beverage. I don't know what that would be, uh, Coke maybe. And then there's this sort of parasitic market of Stanley Cup accessories, of course, people going, oh, uh, yeah, we bloody we need to have all the um, – you need to have like, you know – bedazzled uh standing cups and stickers and christ knows what so what i'm hoping is that in due course obviously we can uh partner with stanley maybe do a limited edition dptm cup or even a just like a decal that you can stick on your stanley cup i'd love that and some of the people in the articles that i read trying to justify it in other terms like practical terms, it's just kind of laughable. They're saying like, oh, I like the fact that um, it can fit into my cup holder. And you go, you paid $50 for it. Like, <laughs> you just, what? And then they go, oh, I, I got several so that 
I don't have to um, switch between if I want, you know, juice or water or Coca-Cola or coffee, I don't have to switch, you know, out um, the cup for a different cup. I can just use one of the already filled cups. And it's like, don't you have glasses in your cupboard? Like, this is not a problem that people have. I don't understand. <laughs> I have a question for you, John, if you're ready to switch gears. Yeah. Okay, let's switch gears. <laughs> when was the last time you played chess? Good question. I reckon it was about a year ago and I uh, played with my with Jacinta's nephew. Oh, okay. so you know the game. I, I remember it. you playing chess against our friend Anjay years mm. ago up at Cup Gum Avenue in the hills of Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That was my first real exposure, I think, to chess was seeing right. you guys play up at, at Anjay's house. But are you aware of the explosion in online chess streaming and chess personalities over the last few years? No, I don't think I am. No, I'm aware of um, Magnus Carlsen or whatever his name is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And the kind of um, strange world of people who are chess nuts accusing each other of cheating and putting Mm. vibrating buzzers (laughs) up their asses and stuff, which I love. That's that's yeah. That's a that's Is just that, one part of the modern chess yeah, world okay. that's been right. that's been happening. But I was not aware until quite recently of just how big chess streaming has become hmm. online. Uh, and I'm just not really in the chess world. Yeah, which is probably due to my combined lack of skill and knowledge of chess and. Yeah. Also, my disdain for Twitch generally is sure. uh, what, but but this really has intrigued me, and I want to help you know why. So I've been starting to hear whispers of chess becoming a thing on Twitch, which caught my attention because I just thought that doesn't seem like the kind of thing no. that would instantly leap out and grab a person because mm. it's the most basic visual game I can imagine. I mean, kids have Fortnite to watch. They have yeah. World of Warcraft. Why sure. are they going to be watching Twitch? Porn. Streaming. Internet Yeah, porn, porn exactly. <laughs> then And then I was at Christmas with my cousins this mm. year and they started chatting to each other about who their favourite Twitch chess streamers wow. were. And I just said, is this really a thing? And they <laughs> said, Unky Alfie, even though I'm their cousin. <laughs> We're giving it an official thing, and everyone did thumbs up. <laughs> I said, guys, is it a thing? And they said, it's official, it's a thing. <laughs> so before 2020, which is obviously the pandemic, yeah, obviously the pandemic is a, is a real point in the sand for when certain things became very popular online. So pre-2020, chess was always a thing online. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that chess, chess and computers have gone together like – peanut butter and chocolate for so long. The first <laughs> computerized chess games were mm. created in the 1950s. Right. And then you obviously have in uh, in 1997, I think a lot of people remember that IBM's Deep Blue yeah. beat chess grandmaster. I think it was Gary Kasparov, I think. Right. So, so computers, and twi- uh, computers and chess – have been going together for as long as I can remember. And mm. you've always been able to play online chess because the bandwidth was so tiny because all mm. you needed to do was shift one thing on a grid to another thing. That's a very, it's not a lot of information that you have to share. Chess was perfect for dial-up internet yeah, as well. You could, play, you could play online chess. Yeah. So you had those really early forms of, of computerized chess, then then you could play chess over over the once it was computerized and you got internet mm-hmm. and then you could play chess online. And then mm-hmm. I just hadn't really paid much attention to what was happening in chess. Twitch comes along. Twitch is obviously a platform which was originally for people sharing themselves playing video games. Mm. Uh, but of course chess is it is in itself an online game? We don't really think of it as a video game, but yeah. it is a game that can be played very simply online. I mean, it was yep. always on bloody Microsoft 
Windows programs and stuff like that. There's no intellectual property to worry yeah. about if you want to put a version of chess. It's like 1,500 years old and from <laughs> India, so you can yeah. just put it on whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, uh, already chess has a little bit of an online following, but it's just chess people essentially. And then yeah. there was a Twitch streamer called XQC, who I think was the biggest Twitch streamer of 2020. During the pandemic, he starts playing chess mm. on Twitch. He was mm. already a popular Twitch streamer, obviously, I think the most popular in 2020. So obviously he was playing other games and mm. then he decides, I'm going to start playing chess online. This is just pre-Queen's Gambit, actually. Okay. So then he starts bringing his twitchy personality to mm. chess. So instead of it being your male nerdy game where, yeah. where everybody's kind of not talking to each other and looking down and just moving pieces and not really talking. Suddenly yeah. you've got a bombastic Twitch streamer who everybody mm. loves who's doing his Twitch streaming things and he's playing <laughs> chess and he's jumping all over the place. <laughs> and then the kids are going, hang on, this guy's making chess fun. Yeah. Then that guy XQC. He's rock and rolling up chess. Yeah. And then he starts making relationships with the real chess grandmaster community online or the real chess heads who are kind of in the in the background because they're in it for the chess Mm. he's on twitch for being a big twitch man Mm. and so he starts bringing on this guy called hikaru nak nakamura nakamura who is a chess grandmaster Mm -hmm. and then he starts like playing games kind of against him but essentially Mm. this Hikaru Nakamura is explaining to him elements of of chess complexities because this guy who he's with is a grandmaster. Yeah. So then suddenly the kids are being exposed to like chess grandmasters and Hikaru himself Hmm. is going, oh, I'm starting to get an audience that I never had before. I was just a bit of a Twitch chess guy, but suddenly kids are coming over and being like, this is incredible. Mm. Yeah. and then suddenly more and more chess grandma or, or people that had been in the background of the chat of the Twitch world, they'd just been in chess Twitch, which was quite niche. Yeah. They they start going, Oh, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a wave here. Wow. And then chess chess.com, which is the premier chess website in the world, yeah. partners with Twitch because mm. they see they see what's going on yeah. and they decide to host a thing called Pog Champs and that's where <laughs> they they got they hosted a chess tournament where they got online Twitch personalities who are not right. chess professionals. They yeah. get them like trained up by actual uh, chess, you know, professionals or people yeah, that are amazing okay. at chess. Yeah. And then they hosted tournaments online where these internet personalities would play chess against each other Mm. and it just took off and then the so this was around 20 this was early 2020 (laughs) was the initial yeah go on it just is seems so implausible that you know the 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 people running chess.com woke up one day and said oh my god is chess cool like it's been (laughs) yeah it's been around for centuries and suddenly it's having this moment and imagine the people at chess.com must have, I'm sure nobody at chess.com thought, hey, let's approach a Twitch streamer and mm. ask them to play chess online because everybody would have gone, he's mm. playing fucking Fortnite. They're going to play yeah. chess. You fucking, are fucking you out of your chess. mind? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, have, wow. you se- have you seen Grand Theft Auto? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And so then the first Pog Champs ha- happens. Yeah. Again, everybody's everybody's inside from everybody's also inside now because of the pandemic. So even the chess grandmasters who could play tournaments in person, yeah, that's all over. So they all have uh-huh. to go more online as well. Yeah. So it's this perfect storm of like mm. this XQC guy. He goes, I'm interested in like bringing my crazy Twitch personality to chess. Yeah. Then all the actual real chess people can't play in person. So they're going more online to play yeah, one another. Okay. And they're all saying, well, we have to start Twitch channels and stuff now because we have to play online. Mm. And then there's there's more of an audience being built for them because the popular goofy Twitch streamers that have a Twitch audience are saying, mm. hey, guys, come and watch us play chess and learn how to play chess yeah. with these champions. Logan and Paul then. Just- just squaring <laughs> off against Magnus. 
<laughs> yeah, he's just bouncing up and down in his chair and like <laughs> breaking plates yeah. while Magnus <laughs> is just right. He's like, he's Logan Paul defeating Magnus while <laughs> while smashing plates and doing doing cartwheels. So then yeah. that's already that's already there. This mm. the pog the pog thing happens. Then total stroke of luck. Netflix Queen's Gambit comes out. Wow. With my wife and a Taylor Joy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so then everybody's just gone. There's all this attention. People that weren't even paying attention to what was happening on Twitch necessarily. Queen's Gambit happens and then everybody's going, oh, chess seems cool. They go Mm. on the internet and there's already this bubbling thing that had been Hmm. happening. Wow. And then it explodes. And now you just have like Twitch chess celebrities and these people who had been playing for a few years but had no audience mm. people like the alexandra botez so the botez sisters are huge stars now in this right. world and one of them alexandra botez she had been playing on twitch since 2016 when nobody gave a fuck right then this whole thing takes off and she just becomes a star she gets her sister on so they have 1.3 million followers on twitch 1.43 million subscribers on youtube Hmm. And I just watched one of their recent videos, and you'll love this, John. If you want to, if you want to get a sense of just how online chess has become, I just watched a recent video from the Botez twins, and it's called "I Ranked Chess Players by Riz." Oh wow! So, so the Botez sisters get on, and they do <laughs> one of those score of one. I'm <laughs> and they go they do one of those tier lists and they just rank all the all the famous like online chess people because they all know them personally and they've all streamed against them and played against them yeah and i'm sure there's little rivalries that have happened and there's all these little controversies that have happened i'm sure over Mm. the time and so and so yeah it was just amazing it's like the I mean, we've, you know, known for a long time that what used to be the province of nerd culture has now become mainstream popular culture, but I never thought I would see that tide wash as high as chess becoming (laughs) cool. I mean, these people must be counting their lucky stars. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny because, as I say, chess has been online. Chess has been on computers for just about as long as there's been computers. Yeah. But it, it took... Like I guess it, there was there was chess on computers. Mm. I think the first chess on computers. I don't even think there was no graphical user interface. I think you almost had to like text where yeah. the pieces were. And in fact, I think Turin, like Alan Turin, the Turin test guy. I think yep. he built the first ever chess on a uh, computer program. Hmm. Then somebody did a chess with a GUI, so you could kind of see the pieces, which I think was in the nineteen right. fifties. Yeah. And then I guess the next big thing would have been. Uh, internet chess so you can mm. play people th- over a phone line yeah and then it almost seems like the next thing is for that for chess is streaming so video has allowed and and streaming culture has allowed for these personalities mm. to say we're gonna bring we're gonna bring our personalities to it and of course as well now <laughs> speaking on the personalities there was there's been a lot of controversy editor's note At this point in the recording, Al's high-quality mic died, but his laptop mic still worked. So we've cleaned up the last eight minutes of audio of Al that was recorded from his crappy laptop mic, but it has a different tone. We hope you enjoy this second tone. Because you have gone from chess being about the best players playing the most beautiful form of the game, the Grandmasters, now the interest has shifted from that to entertaining personality. So, of course, you have mm. bombastic Twitch personalities. Happy Gilmores of the chess world. Happy Gilmores of the chess world who are quite <laughs> shit at chess yeah. but great yeah. at being online personalities. And so mm. a few of the OGs who are great at chess have been complaining, saying, what has happened <laughs> to chess? It's mm. just now shit chess with people who are – who are who are great at being streamers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are they have you watched much of the Twitch streamed chess because I'm not, just imagining only, only clips. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because they I mean they did sort of start off playing interesting games that you know you might sort of 
imagine yourself in real life watching over somebody's shoulder and being mildly entertained. But then I noticed, and I'm not a you know somebody who watches this world closely, but then you'd see clips of them playing like trucker simulators. Yeah. And I thought, well, there's just going to be hours where very little is happening here. So it, obviously it is about them creating this kind of interesting monologue and atmosphere that keeps people entertained while the backseat is taken by whatever's going on. So I guess that sort of vibe sets the foundation for chess where it's like, yeah, you might you might find bits of what the actual game is interesting, but, you know, you're sort of not watching it. I mean, you maybe couldn't just – you wouldn't bother to tune in if it was just that. Yeah. You know, if it was just like a dry pawn to – you know, white four or whatever they say, uh, then you'd kind of go, nah, go back to Fortnite. <laughs> I think um, it probably is also doing, I'm assuming, so So of the Botez twins are female, obviously, and there's a bunch yeah. of other women that I saw who have become quite successful. And I think there's there's some hope that it will do a bit more to encourage women to play chess because the, the yeah. ratio of women to men chess grandmasters is still 50 to 1 internationally right. 50 50 boys to one girl for, for yeah. world chess grandmasters and so yeah it's just interesting that chess has linked with these streaming personalities to really blow yeah. up and then the second takeaway that i had from this john is that i have made no secret of the fact that i think twitch and streaming in particular is not necessarily great for no. society particularly with yeah. declining birth rates depression loneliness uh, mm. i've i have said that i don't think it's necessarily the best thing to sit in dark rooms all day <laughs> having parasocial relationships with people <laughs> playing video no. games and never touching grass you familiar with that expression john touching grass mm, yeah you've yeah. heard this expression I think so. Isn't this the isn't this the whole idea about having grass between your toes? Is meant it means to be go like, outside, and it's it's yeah. a, it's a it's a big expression on Twitch. People will say if you're getting mm. a little bit too online, which for Twitch streamers pretty much means that you've been on the computer for say seven eight days without leaving, and somebody yeah. will say, "Mate, you need to go and touch grass." That's what they mm. say. Yeah. So. Wow. I am not a massive fan of us becoming more streamy for that very yeah. reason. I don't think it's great for our souls, but I am much more interested in online chess than I am mm. Fortnite, World of Warcraft. Sure. These At least kinds it's of things. Good for people's brains in some yeah, way. Yeah, it's not the same kind of hyper stimulation as yeah. you know, as as those other forms of streaming and <laughs> You know, chess is literally a bunch of symbols on a screen. Yeah. That just, yeah. It's as basic as you could get. It's all strategy, which I think yeah. is much cooler to get into than, mm. you know, GTA or truck soccer. And sure. I would much <laughs> rather, soccer. John, that your son watch mm. Twitch chess than e-girls in bikinis in paddling pools. Is what yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to. Not going to make any promises. If he's anything like, if he's a chip off the old block, he will be getting right into the. I thought you might e-girls. also. You might also like a, that a, a couple. He'll of, be going to all the furry conventions. <laughs> um, and, you, yeah, go. I thought you might also like that a couple of Pog, the uh, Pog Champ alumni, are former. Don't praise the machine. Don't prompt the machonk. Um, star Code Miko, who we did a, oh, yeah. and your favorite from the office, it's Rain Wilson. Wow, yeah, he's so a he fucking did, he did a chess pop, guy. He did, a, he did chess as well, mm. and also my friend. I also wanted to end this bit by saying that my friend Nico bought me a Simpsons. I should have actually brought it out with me. It's in my, it's in my cupboard. Yeah. Um, actually, maybe I'll go and grab a piece before the end of the show. My friend Nico bought me a Simpsons chess set for Christmas. Uh, mm. So I need to relearn the rules of chess because. Yeah, look, I, I'm really. I There was a time when I thought oh, I kind of, when I was young, and I thought I'd kind of like to see myself as somebody who was good at chess, but I just suck at it. I mean, even. <laughs> Even last year, when I said at the outset of this bit that I played 
Jacinta's nephew. Her nephew, I think, is seven, and he beat me. So <laughs> it's not it's not a, an area it's, that I want to get into. But I do love that we've talked about two things that have been turned into the focus of pop culture in recent times, and those two things are chess and water. Basically, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, and cups the ba- that basically the internet is just turning into a monastery. <laughs> chess, and you know, you know what the really cool. If you want to be cool in twenty twenty four, you want mm. to be drinking water and playing chess, drinking water and like just sitting around, hydrated, playing the world's oldest game. Yeah, I like. Look, I like this. If you know, I complain a lot about the hyper stimulation uh, mm. and the and the short attention span of today's youth and what, what mm. and the, the generation that we can't wait for, Generation Alpha, can't wait to see what <laughs> they get up to. But I love that it's just, you want to be cool? Yeah. Chess and water. Chess and water. They're going to just be a bunch of celibate recluses <laughs> mo- moving pawns around as they sip out of giant cups. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, that's been a great episode of Don't Praise the Machine. <laughs> Yeah. This week. Do you want to say anything before I we just, close it out? I just want to encourage people, if you're at the marketplace this week or you're on Amazon um, and you think, should I spend $50 on a sippy cup? Look, up to you. If you're wrestling with that decision, you might want to contact us at hello at dptm.org or share in the comments thread under the YouTube clip yes. for this episode your experiences with infantilizing yourself and whether that's a decision that's worked out for you because it could be I'm wrong to criticize and uh, maybe you've maybe you've also thought you know I got a I got a cup from the two dollar shop which works just as well as a Stanley cup and um, that's just god level thinking outside the box so share that with us beautiful and stay hydrated and guys guys St- avoid checkmate and stay mm. hydrated. Thanks so much, everybody. That's been episode 145 of Don't Praise the Machine, and we can't wait to see you next week. And the podcast.